What You Missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. Thanks for staying with us here on Weekend Mornings. Stay ahead on Money FM 89.3. And it's time for our International News Week in Review. And I'm brought in my former CNN colleague and good friend, Glenn Van Zeffen of the Van Media Group here in Singapore. Welcome once again to Weekend Mornings. Jason, good morning. It's great to see you. And, you know, I got to say, I'm, I'm flying a little low today because I went and watched the National Day rehearsals last night, as about a million other Singaporeans did. Oh, how are they? Oh, they're fantastic. You know, and it's, it's so nice that they do that on a bunch of Saturday evenings prior to National Day to get mm. everyone a view of the fireworks, the flyovers, and all that sort of stuff. So great, great uh, show last night. Yeah, I, really, people are looking forward to that uh, coming up uh, quite soon. Let's start with your country, the U.S., and some really interesting developments over the last uh, couple of days, especially with Michael Cohen, the former personal lawyer of President Donald Trump. And it's getting ugly now. Uh, Giuliani, of course, is now representing Donald Trump, is getting involved. What's the latest on that? We've seen uh, uh, their relationship devolve in recent <laughs> weeks, for, weeks for sure. Uh, and, and this latest um, – moment in their relationship, I think, is a key one, which is the Trump campaign or the Trump um, the Trump legal team, I should say, has severed ties officially with the Cohen uh, legal team. Mm. So prior to this, there was a, an understanding that they would kind of work together, help each other, fight the fight together. And now that that relationship has been severed, based on a lot of what uh, Cohen has been doing in recent weeks vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis this case, they are now severing relationships. And one really interesting development was CNN reporting that uh, Michael Cohen said that Donald Trump did know about that meeting in 2016 at the Trump Tower with Don Jr. and the Russians. And this is something they've denied on many, many occasions. Uh, this significant, uh, the significance of this, Glenn, put this into perspective for us. Well, it's interesting. Uh, President Trump tweeted, I did not, and, you know, all caps, right, know of any meeting with my son, Don Jr. It sounds to me like someone's trying to make up stories, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So this was his tweet. But the whole idea was uh, the president has has said that he has not – did not know anything about this meeting that was set up at Trump Tower. It was uh, a number of his close associates, including Don Jr., uh, meeting with representatives of, uh, of Russia that said that they could help dig up dirt on Hillary prior to the uh, election, mm, et cetera, correct. et cetera. And, uh, and obviously this kind of – this is where the collusion and conspiracy type uh, words have been – have come up. In, uh, in recent uh, months uh, over this case. So he says he didn't know about it, the president, and Cohen says he definitely did know about it. Cohen says he told him about it. Mm, and now we're getting, you know, former New York Mayor Giuliani really savaging Michael Cohen. Just a couple of months ago, he was saying what an honest man he was, what a great lawyer, and now he says he's been lying for years. My, how times change, right? <laughs> well, this is, you know, in the, in the legal world, you know, people try to posture and set up mm. their positions and things like this. It's unclear... You know, if the president actually did know uh, what uh, impact that might have, other than maybe an impact in the court of public appeal, uh, opinion, mm. uh, but that it's still yet to be known. You know, I, I'm not sure that's necessarily an offense that would get him in legal trouble. Let's yeah, put it that way. yeah, that's that's. But it's really going to be have to backtrack if they if they can prove it somehow. And we know about these tapes that Michael. Uh, Cohen has has gone on the president and went, had been released. Uh, one of them has been released. Yep. But I guess, you know, Donald Trump is really upset because uh, the great GDP growth that we saw, 4.1% for the second quarter, he's feeling that these kind of stories are detracting from the good economic news coming out of the US. It's a it's a huge story this week. And, you know, economists are, are 
in in many in most most economists are saying yes, it is it's a true thing. The U.S. economy is doing better than it's done in a long time. Mm. Um, the unemployment was over ten percent. Now it's down to something like four yeah. uh, percent in the U.S. So there is a great momentum uh, coming on the back of the tax cuts and things like that. Yeah. Um, so people are acknowledging that, mm. and, and it should be acknowledged. Of course, there there's always another side to that story, but we don't need to focus on that today. Mm. Um, but the question is now: Is it sustainable? And you know, what's this going to do in terms of the political um, uh, landscape coming into the midterm elections? Yeah, and of course, Donald Trump, you know, like him or loathe him, uh, you know, the economy is doing well, and he feels that uh, any kind of talk about Russian collusion or obstruction of justice takes away the credibility of his election win. Uh, back in 2016. So this is, it's a sore area, isn't it? It's a really a sore area. And it's all seems to be inter- interconnected too. It is the, well, look, if, if you had, if you had like pieces of string up on the wall, <laughs> like they, you know, they do in some of those crime shows, yes. connecting the dots, uh, you know, it would be, the wall would be covered with string. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a very good uh, image that you've just um, painted there. So let, let's move from the US sure. to Spain. A really interesting case that just came through um, over the last 48 hours or so, a Spanish mother in a bruising public custody battle was sentenced to five years in jail after hiding with her sons to avoid handing them over to her father, uh, their father, whom she accused of abuse. And this father was actually convicted of abuse previously. So this mother is going to jail for five years. You know, normally it's the man that seems to get the, yeah. the rough end of the deal, but this sounds very harsh. It's it's really an incredible story, and, and AFP and the Guardian have been have been writing extensively about it. So if somebody wants to know more, they can certainly find things there. But this a particular case has sparked a huge debate in Spain about domestic violence, mm. and especially since domestic violence has been a top priority of the government in sta- in Spain. Now. Some people – basically, she ran away with the kids um, in, in May of 2016 and filed a domestic abuse complaint mm. against her, her her Italian partner. Um, the court jumped in and ordered her to hand over the kids in, in July of – a year ago, July. And then she took off. She she left with the kids and got them out of there and uh, to, to go into safe, safe – you know, hiding, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Now – some people have criticized her for breaking the law, breaking the, the court order, taking the kids away. But others have supported her, pointing out that her partner um, had already been con- convicted of domestic abuse in 20, two, 2009 against her. Mm. So she had a reason. And then the court acknowledged uh, this but found her guilty, you know, saying that she shouldn't have left Spain, et cetera, mm. with the kids at the mm-hmm. time and all that. So it's a very complex case. I mean, do you go with the letter of the law or do you go with, you know – Apparently, she felt like she or the kids were in danger. Yeah, and we're hearing all kinds of things that she accused her partner of doing, you know, of locking her up and pulling her hair, spitting in her face. Right. Uh, and they actually, the boys are four and twelve now, and she has to pay thirty-five thousand dollars, around thirty thousand euros as well. And I mean, it's just a very harsh uh, decision. But I guess setting a precedent for someone that like flees the country and defies the court's instructions. Apparently, that's the way they felt. I, I'm not sure what the appeals process looks like uh, mm-hmm. in this particular case. Uh, I would imagine if there is an avenue to do it, she would be doing it because you know to spend five or six years in jail is not. Uh, uh, no one wants to look forward to doing that, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And another story that we're looking at um, from the UK, it's actually been released just today. We, we spoke about it on the news. Tech firms like Facebook should be made liable for harmful and misleading material on their websites and pay a levy so they can be regulated. That's according to British lawmakers. And this was, a, I guess, a think tank group that the uh, the British government had put together. It's the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee. Uh, and this has got wide-reaching consequences. 
they've been looking at this issue for the past year, trying to figure out this whole issue of fake news. Of course, the Cambridge Analytica mm-hmm. Again, we're connecting within, back to uh, Mr. <laughs> Donald Trump. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, um, you know, all of the misuse or apparent misuse of data and, um, and social media to affect current, uh, you know, certain outcomes. But the report and the recommendations would would very much change um, how the UK treats its technology partners. So if you can imagine, Facebook would be held liable for any misinformation on Facebook from here on out and and might have to pay big penalties, big fines. So when you have a huge social media network like Facebook or Twitter or anybody, you know, how do you effectively police every story, every word, Mm. every post that goes out. And this, in effect, it would seem to me from reading what has just come out would be the case. Uh, A a couple of quotes for you that that I saw in the the, uh, CNN report. Um, The report slammed Facebook for continual reluctance to conduct internal research and how Russia used its platform to influence voters and called on uh, on Mark Zuckerberg, the Mm. Facebook head, to uh, come before them in a hearing. Now, Facebook's vice president of policy, a guy called Richard Allen, said that the report was raising important issues. He said that Facebook shares the goals of ensuring political advertising is fair and transparent, that they will continue to work with government uh, officials and uh, to make sure that that happens. So they're feeling the heat, their public policy team especially, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's not just limited to Facebook. And we saw how Facebook uh, you know, shares were, were devalued last week and took a big hit. Uh, well, Can I just mention one more yes, thing I think yeah. is interesting? This committee calls for an end to the use of the term fake news, mm. which I think could be a really positive development um, out, out of this, among other ones. The committee wrote in the report that the disinformation and fake news uh, term has been adopted to mean everything from purposefully misleading or lying information uh, to uh, just information that a certain person doesn't like. And we've certainly <laughs> we don't need to talk about that, but we've certainly yeah. seen that some people say that mm. something is fake news when they just don't like it. Mm. So in instead, they're recommending that the words misinformation and disinformation mm. be used instead of fake news. But where do you draw the line? Because uh, as we know, you know, we're career journalists, you know, we've done it for many years, but there are a lot of people out there that are new journalists and they're doing their blogs and they can make their um, content look very well presented. And, yeah. you know, they, they, as far as anyone is watch, reading, they, it can look the same as a, something in, you know, the Times of London or the New York Times or the Guardian. And again, this would, you know, this brings us back to the social media platforms that they can also, you know, how do they also tell some of these very polished uh, looking stories that come out or posts that people do claiming uh, legitimate sources mm. of information and, mm. and backed up with facts, in quotes, facts, right? Mm. So, yeah, you're asking the right question. How do we police that? In the past, the internet has sort of policed itself, mm. but now the stakes are, ra- are you know, are, are in- incurred in- 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 continually rising in that. Yeah, indeed. Okay, we'll have to see what that report uh, does for the British lawmakers talking about tech firms like Facebook being made liable for harmful and misleading material on their websites. For the moment, Glenn Van Zeffen, thank you very much. My pleasure. Breeze through your weekend on Money FM 89.3.